Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast. Improve team cohesion and get player buy-in. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by my Mrs. Partner, Alicia Smith, as we talk to another coach. Today's guest has her master's in education degree in counseling and sports psychology and uses her training to improve team cohesion and build player-led teams. She's the head coach at Eckerd College, and since taking the helm, she's led the team to more and more impressive seasons, taking down ranked opponents as they work their way up in a strong conference. Prior to Eckerd, she was an assistant at North Carolina State University, where she was the team's hitting coach. The Wolfpack's offensive numbers dramatically increased under her tutelage as the 2015 squad broke multiple school records. As a result of the strong offensive numbers, NC State made its first ever appearance in the NCAA Super Regional after advancing through the regional with a perfect 3-0 mark. In this episode, we discuss how she learned about sports psychology and what she wishes she knew as a player, how she struggled with struggling, and how she helps her current players work through that feeling, getting buy-in from players by making team-building activities personalized to their particular team, pushing the limits to improve team cohesion while still giving them time off when they need it, and her tip for coaches and players to embrace the mental game and commit to learning the necessary skills to succeed. Today's freebie, we have a positive thinking exercise pulled directly from one of our courses. You either win or you learn. Stay tuned till the end to hear more about that. This episode is brought to you by our mental game eval. If you've been meaning to implement the mental game for a while, and it seems like a daunting task with everything else you're doing, we suggest starting simple. With the mental game eval, you can start the conversation by creating a common language about what mental toughness really looks like on the softball field. To start that, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash eval. Now, without further ado, we are very excited to share the stories and strategies of Eckerd College's head coach, Katie Prophet. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks again, Katie, for, for joining us. What we'd like to first talk about is how were you first introduced to mental toughness or how did you learn about mental toughness? Um, I actually had a pretty unique situation, I would say. Uh, you know, I was I had my my plan set for college. I was going to college to be a business major and was going to go to law school after that. And that was my plan. But, you know, that doesn't usually stick for most college students. So um, my very first class in college was a psychology class, and I absolutely loved it. But I was always knowing that and deep down in my heart, I wanted to be in sports. So I just started researching and found a way to combine both. So that's where I kind of came up with the sports psychology and lo and behold, found a lot of great schools and master's programs that, you know, you can get into. And that's really just how I found my, my niche there. Love that. That's great. It was an interesting, interesting path, but it's near and dear to my heart. So it makes it special to me. That's interesting because I um, was coaching for about 10 years before I took my first sports psych master's class and it opened my eyes to this whole world of, oh my gosh, I never had this as a player. I've just now learned 10 years into my coaching career that, that this is something that my, my team is missing. So um, I really appreciate the fact that you kind of stumbled upon it that way and, and really dove into the fact that you that was important to you. Yeah, I, w- I wish so bad I could go back and play knowing what I know now. Oh, for sure. Me too. Because I, I definitely really struggled um, with failure all the time as a player. I never knew how to recover. And, and even as a coach first beginning, you know, you don't know what you don't know and you don't go to school really to learn how to be a coach. You have to kind of figure it out as you go and not being able to help my players when I watched them crumble on the field was, was really frustrating. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. So as a player, when you first when you first started playing and even into college, what do you think you struggled with the most? 
Um, I'd have to second what you said and just, I really just struggled with struggling. Um, I, I was, you know, I was a good ball player, but I was not used to, you know, not hitting at the top of the lineup and, you know, even sitting sometimes. And it was just, and when I did play, you know, going into a hitting slump, that was, that was really hard for me. Um, I, you know, just had to learn how to fight through it. You know, I had great teammates, so I really enjoyed, you know, having them get my back. Um, you know, having a coach get onto you sometimes when you're already down is tough too. So, I mean, it's just, it was definitely, I, all I can sum it up with is I struggled with struggling. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way of putting it. I totally get that. Yeah. Do you feel like your players have struggled with that as well? Yeah, I mean, it honestly is. And one thing I try and tell everyone is who doesn't? We're athletes. I mean, we push ourselves to the nth degree to make ourselves better. We practice. I mean, we, I mean, I like to say, you know, what is, you know, how much of the mental game do we actually practice? You know, it's my favorite question to ask is, you know, how much of this game is mental? And I love hearing 100%, 90%, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, well, how much do we practice that? And it's like, you know, one of those things where we sit here and we practice four hours every day on the field, hitting and lifting and running and fielding and everything, you know, that has to do with softball, but how much of the game is mental. And so it's, it's something that I think every player and every athlete struggle with. doesn't matter if you're a little leaguer or if you're an NFL football player. I mean, it's, it's not easy to struggle. So yeah, I would agree that everybody, I mean, any athlete, has a hard time struggling. It's all about how you bounce back though. I really believe that. And you know, how hard can you get hit and how quick can you stand up? Oh, so what love, what type of things do you teach your players then? Uh, for example, maybe in practice, what do you practice in order to bounce back quickly? I, I like to practice that both on and off the field. Um, I haven't had too much of a chance to do it where I am right now, but at some previous places I've been, I mean, we had what we called them classroom sessions where we just broke things down. We talked about confidence. We talked about, you know, positive self-talk. Um, you know, we made charts called well, better learned. What did I do? Well, what do I need to do better? What did I learn? Um, you know, we just, we really, I think for a lot of us, it's easy to write it down and see it and read stories and, you know, find those stories, you know, Peyton Manning focused stories about how, you know, when he was in the Super Bowl, I believe, I don't remember what Super Bowl it was, but it rained and rained and rained. And he knew the forecast was coming that it was going to rain, but he prepared, he, he dunked over 200 footballs in soaking water and made him soaking wet so that he could prepare being able to throw that football. And, you know, it's, it's not just mental toughness as far as, you know, you can do this and I can do this, et cetera, et cetera. It's about applying it to the game is, I think, really, really where we can get our edge. Absolutely. What have you found has been the thing that the girls gravitate towards the most? What was the thing that's really catchy to them that really clicked right away? I think having something personal. One place uh, at a previous school I was at, we did um, me like mental, I called it mental conditioning books. I gave them all a binder. We made our own hashtag, um, you know, and we just had almost like little chapters and every chapter there was a lesson and every, after every chapter, there was a little work, but you know, some, some sort of thing that you needed to complete, whether it was a worksheet or something to, um, do out on the field. And I really think just having something personal to them and unique to only our team mm. really, really helped, you know, everybody loves a t-shirt and all that sort of stuff. And I think that was sort of just, you know, your own special notebook that's going to help you get through the struggles and the ups and downs of, you know, what you're going through. 
That's so cool to hear you say that because we do notebooks too. And um, <laughs> oh, we've yeah. been doing them since 2011. Yeah. Um, my high school and just that everyday interaction with, uh, like you mentioned, a story or reading a book or relating sports stories, especially they can relate to that really well. Um, and we also do wristbands. So every year, um, we do a saying or a, mm-hmm. like you said, a hashtag or something like that. So the kids really look forward to that every single year. And wh- what's the wristband going to be this year, coach? Yeah. You know? So they it's, love that kind so of stuff. Funny. Yeah, it's so funny how you can find, you know, just something special to them really helps them buy into it. And I think that's half the battle with mental conditioning. And then, you know, just every day, I mean, you turn on ESPN in the morning as you're getting ready and listen to it and you can hear some sort of message, something that a professional player is going through. It doesn't matter what sport it is, but, you know, somebody's going through something that you can relate to and being able to bring that to the forefront to the team, I think is really important to just show them that, you know, relevant things are happening that you guys are struggling with and also professionals are struggling with as well. So you're not alone. That's true. And I think that when the kids can either see other athletes struggling or even their teammates kind of walking through those conversations to, to let them know that, Hey, I'm not alone in this and I can rely on my teammates to help me get through this as well is, is also part of that, you know, battle that you mentioned, we're trying to get their buy-in and, and, when, when I think kids think they're all by themselves and they, they think they're the only ones that they are just not good players, then I think that they can't, um, they can't relate. So when right. they can relate to each other, I think that's so helpful. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And it's just any way to get them to buy in is, is fine with me. <laughs> I just, if you can get them, if you can get them to start listening to you with, you know, how to think and, how, you know, how to push yourselves through it you're, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of high performing athletes out of it. Absolutely. Do you feel like there's any one thing or any one specific maybe tactic that you use in teaching mental toughness that has maybe helped your players the most? I wouldn't know if it's necessarily me. I think it's more them. I think me pushing them, pushing them to the limits that they don't think they can push themselves to as far as conditioning or completing a task and, having their team surround them and, and believe in them that they can do it and having that sort of we can't finish until we all do it mentality is, I think, is just it's more team building than it is mental toughness. But, you know, that that team building and that belief in each other just only helps that one individual believe in themselves more. So I would say it's just, you know, it's more of of pushing them and having them believe that they can do it. Um, I don't know if there's a specific way of saying that it's, you know, it's self-talk, it's slowing the game down imagery, however you want to say it. But I think the team building aspect is probably just as important as your individual aspect, if not more. I I totally agree. Yeah. 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 (laughs) What about you guys? What do you guys think is, is most important or what has been most successful for you all in your teams? Oh, we is... sat for what? How many hours straight, Alicia? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chatted yeah. about this. Yeah, this is also interesting because she's our first podcast guest that has asked us this question or a question at all. I know. Like, oh. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, my personal belief, and I think you know, for for Mel and I together, our our structure is culture. That has yeah. to be the base or of the triangle or the base of the pyramid. That that's that is the foundation for absolutely everything that you do. So when you have this strong culture that's established, um, whatever it may be, we, we feel it's important that the kids 
uh, on my team specifically, we went through this exercise um, at the beginning of our season and as part of one of as part of our podcast um, episodes, so we kind of documented our, um, my high school season and laying all this stuff out. And we had all the kids say, okay, I went around the whole room. What is, in one word, what is your perception of the culture here at Matawan? And it was very interesting to get all the different words on the board, mm -hmm. but it's also very uh, empowering to them and, and meaningful to me because they're saying the things that I would hope is there. And, and it's one thing to say them right, but it's another thing to live it every day. Absolutely. So I, so I think that with that strong foundation of culture, then you can really start to work in team building and, tra and training uh, self-talk and they start to stress each other and it just rolls all the way down for everything that you try to teach. But without that culture or that strong um, teamwork base that you have in the very beginning of the season, which is really when it needs to be established, it's just not, you're, you're just not going to get the most out of them. Right. I agree. If they're all not bought in, it's pointless. Not pointless, but you know, it's, it, it takes, it, yeah, <laughs> it takes a while. You, if, if everybody's bought in, it's amazing how much the chemistry all clicks. But if there's a couple stragglers that are just not sure about it or, you know, afraid to admit it, that's when it gets tough. Mm -hmm. What have you found has been effective for team building for you guys? Right now, I would say we're pushing them. We're pushing them real hard on the field just with conditioning and um, strength training. And it's just something that we've needed to do for a while here. This, I'm just starting my third year. So I've got, you know, two years under my belt of learning. And I think, you know, just pushing them hard and making them realize that they can do it. They can get through it. Um, as far as other team building, I like to, I like to couple a team building exercise with something that maybe we're struggling with on the field. Mm. Um, whether it's a communication drill, whether it's taking away all communication and showing them how important it is, whether it is, you know, something fun. Sometimes, you know, it gets, it's, it's hard to just go 25 days straight in a row with no games or just scrimmaging each other. You know, sometimes it's just, let's do something fun. You know, you know, there's all kinds of different team building things, you know, hula hoop rings and fun stuff like that. So, it, I mean, it just kind of depends on what I need at the moment. It's not necessarily one specific team building. It's just what does my team need and what do I do to get out of them what I need them to do sort of thing. And I think it's it's always mind blowing to them when they realize how important this little stuff actually is. And the, the more unique that you can show them that this is a correlation to what's going on on the field. Love that you tried different ways of getting the team building in. I think there's a misconception that team building is doing the human knot and yeah. doing a yeah. reps course. Yeah. <laughs> Though those things are awesome and they do serve a role, it's not just that. I think, honestly, every day is team building. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's all about what you need. And it, it's really identifying your group of team, your group of girls or your group of athletes. I mean, every year it's different. And that's something I even realized as a ball player. It was just like, wow, I, those seniors did a lot. Or, wow, those seniors really didn't know how to lead. Or, wow, we have a really group, good, great group of freshmen this year. Like, let's, that's good. That means it's, you know, we're not trying to drag a train behind us. Like, we're, we're going to be really good this year. So it, it's all just as an athlete, I learned it. And as a coach, I really learned it that there is not one team that is the same. It doesn't matter how many returners you bring in and, or how many returners come back or how many freshmen you bring in, it truly doesn't matter. Everybody, it's always a different team. Mm -hmm. So I think learning that is just, a, is a huge part of being a coach is learning what your team needs. And it, it you know, it doesn't happen overnight. 
Oh, that's no. so good. That <laughs> not at all. Team dynamics uh, make or break. I think a season. And I've had I've been on both ends of the spectrum. Same. And when it's on the other end, the wrong end of the spectrum, it's it's not fun for anyone. I think mm-hmm. it's you're miserable as a coach. I think the players aren't having a good time. It's not fun. Um, and you actually are kind of excited the season is over. And that's really, really sad to me. And, you know, I've had experiences where you've tried everything that you know, and you've pulled every card out of the deck and you're saving that ace for that last ditch effort to hopefully make sure that it works. And it just doesn't, and it's heartbreaking, but it's just at the beginning of the season, you look back and they just weren't buying in. They just weren't buying into what you were trying to teach them and talk about. And it doesn't happen often, but it is miserable uh, when it doesn't go that way. And let me ask you guys this, because I think it's it's almost a not a hot topic, but something that's I've heard more than one time recently is is just kind of backing off sometimes. Do you guys believe in that as, as a coach is sometimes just letting them be, you know, as much as you want to pull the reins down and, mm-hmm. you know, stop them from being, you know, doing something they don't you don't want them to do or something that you don't like and things like that. But it works for them. I think it, I think that's a, that's a struggle sometimes for myself. And I'm not sure if you guys deal with that as well, but you know, just kind of letting them go um, and, and just backing off and letting them be. And it's funny sometimes how it works and how it doesn't. Yeah. And I think that there's, that's part of the trial and error of trying to figure out your team. And, you know, I've tried some things in some seasons and it's been, it worked really well, you know, and the kids are, are bought in and they're understanding and I'll try the exact same thing next year. And it's like, that doesn't work or it's doing the opposite effect or, or whatever. So I think that's just really that trial and error. And I'm all about team led or player led teams, I guess, as a, yes. there's more important than coach led teams. So I was, I rely kind of on my leadership counselor to give them some of those reins to kind of help work out internal problems or to help maybe run a practice or to help stop practice when things aren't going well and let the kids talk it out and let the kids figure it out. So it's difficult at times, but that's how they grow. You know what I mean? So if they're really, if they're ready to call a timeout in a really stressful pressure situation in a game, they've done it a hundred times in practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just gotta make, you know, as a coach, you always want to go out to the mound, for example, and say something really meaningful and important. And, you know, sometimes they're not listening to you, but sometimes they just need their teammates and that's okay. So I think that's just trial and error, but I think it's important to, to, to let them try. I think it's important. Yeah, I agree. It, and it's it's a hard thing as a coach, but I think it's it's every time they do it, I'm always just so proud that they did it on their own. It, whether it worked or not, I'm just glad that they did that. Mm-hmm. How did you come to the, uh, I guess, epiphany of let them be? Um, I mean, I've heard it a couple times, you know, just from coaches that I idolize. But, you know, it's more just realizing that I'm old, maybe, and that <laughs> – they have a new way. There's, they're just. It's a new era of softball. There's a new way of doing things, and sometimes it's just, you know, one of those things where maybe they're they're being silly, and I don't want them to be. I think it's time for a big game, and we need to be laser focused, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's how I was, but just because that's how I was doesn't mean that's how they are or that they need to be that way. And I think realizing just letting them go a little bit has given them more autonomy and their ability to make their own decisions and they have to wear it if it doesn't work out at the same time. So, um, I don't know. It's never, it wasn't one specific day. It was just kind of just something I've tried to learn along the way. I had something like that this year where I have a 
uh, I've been coaching 21 years now, so I'm a little older than you. <laughs> and, uh, we have uh, an assistant coach who's, you know, much younger than me, and she's mm-hmm. only out of college for just a few years. And she suggested that we give the team a day off before a game. Wow. I, and I was like, are you crazy? Man, I have <laughs> never done that in my life. They're not going to be ready. They're... So she just kind of like shared her opinion. And I said, I, I didn't feel comfortable with it, but I did. I, I oh, did wow. do it. And I had the team came back so refreshed and they, they played one of the best games like all year. And they were so excited. They had the day off. My uh, catcher texted me and said, I actually cried when I woke up this morning <laughs> and saw your text that said, we have the day off because I'm so tired. So, but the thought of giving them a practice or the practice off before a game was just cr- insane to me and crazy. But yeah. uh, I've learned to listen to my assistants and, and, you know, because I think they also have a good pulse on, on what they need that kids may not, you know, share with me. So I thought that was, that was a good learning experience for me. Absolutely. Yeah. First and foremost, I miss being an assistant too. So all the assistants out there enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just all about, it's like, we've been talking about having that pulse on your team. Just, I mean, I've been, my girls have been working really, really hard lately. And so, you know, I, I mean, I knew that they were starting to wear down today when at practice, it was just like, no one was goofing before practice. No one was laughing. There was no extra talk anywhere, which is rare for my team. I knew that it was, it was time mm-hmm. and they were getting tired. So we had a good, we finished out a good practice today and I did the same thing and gave them off on a Friday. So three days in a row, day before practice, it's kind of similar in a way, but I understand it's hard to do, but when you know your team, you know your team, and if that's what they need, I think any of us out here would do anything just to win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you get caught up in the details, right? Of yeah, we aren't quite running the first and third defense just right, so we really need to practice it, and and just trying to take a step back. And we talked about that too this year. We're taking a step back sometimes is difficult to do because you're so close to those details, and you want to run this perfect practice plan, and you want to run everything you know, make sure the kids are learning everything they need to and getting the right conditioning. And sometimes you kind of forget big picture sometimes. Yep. I agree. I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) So do you feel like as a coach from your perspective, is there anything that we're missing as coaches that, that we can offer our players? As coaches, I think just in general, you know, there, I think athletes need to know that there's, you can be, you can educate yourselves on how to get better in these mental conditioning tools and mental toughness tools. I mean, it, there's very easy reading out there that can, you can put things in perspective, but as far as anything else missing, I just, I really just think, you know, just, you know, just being positive and positive energy is just a lot is, is a lot harder than people realize. Mm. You know, I mean, when, when we're upset cause you're not doing something right, it's, I'm not mad necessarily at you. It's just one of those things where we need to get things together as a team and focus in. And I think that a lot of times you get, you know, people take it the wrong way or, you know, she's a tough coach or this is too hard or this and that, you know, it's, I always try to tell my team, I have anything we're doing. I did myself. So it's, it's not that you can't, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, but I'm trying to, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of anything missing, but what do you, how, what do you guys think? you're missing or is missing we talked to a lot of other coaches about this and we kind of agree it's just 
what we call the like the fundamentals of the mental game. And because I think a lot of people talk about having a good culture and being confident and staying positive, but a lot of people don't know the how. Absolutely. So I think that's what we mostly hear. Like, how do you build team culture? There is a process to it. It's not just saying, hey, here's the culture. Ready, go. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, anybody can sit here and say, I want to hit 300, but how do you how do you get yourself to hit 300? Is it extra time? Is it finding your sweet spot? Is it, you know, just finding a way around things? I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's all about the how. Totally agree. Yeah. Do you have anything else, Katie, that um, you'd like to mention or talk about or bring up? Um, not off the top of my head. I think we had we covered a lot of good bases and had a good talk. Uh, you know, there's we could. I'm just like you all said. You can go on and on for days about this stuff. I'm sure I could too. So, um, <laughs> but I think you know, just overall, it's like I said in the beginning. It, I wish I would have known what I you know, when I was playing what I know now about this stuff. And I really just wish more people would embrace it. Coaches, uh, coaches and players aside. I mean, it can really make you, it t- it's the difference between being good and being great, in my opinion. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a very, very helpful tool just as much as any softball drill we can name. So I think it's, it's an important side of the game and I just would like to see more people use it. So would we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think it's just that everyday integration yes. um, into practice. That's, that's the difficult thing to do. And it takes an enormous amount of time and effort really to, to think about that and how to do that. And without these basic tools, I think that's, that's what we're trying to do here is, is try to help coaches um, take away from us or from the coaches interviews, one or two things that they can implement in practice. And it doesn't have to be something where you're trying to do something different every single day, but if you can just work and implement something every day, even just for five to 10 minutes, then you're making progress. Absolutely. I agree. You know, we're, we're both really passionate about this and we're really appreciative that you were willing to take your time because we could tell you're passionate about it too. So thank you again for, for being willing to join us today and share your stories. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate that you've started this, especially specific to softball. And I think it's a great thing and I'm going to help spread the word. Awesome. Aww, thank, thank you. Thank you. And that is it for today. Be sure to grab your winner learn worksheet at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 22. With this worksheet, your players can learn that a win is any success, adjustment, or bounce back. And when a mistake is made, you learn from it. You can help your players train themselves to think this way so that there is no failure. You either win or you learn. There's also a video walkthrough with examples of how to do this and some example answers from your players. So check that out. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, we would truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews. Better yet, share it with one of your friends, coaching colleagues, parents, players, who you think would benefit from some of these tips and strategies. Hope to see you again next week for an all-new series on the seven C's. We'll be diving into what each C means to us, some of the ways that it can go wrong, and even some of the ways that we coaches can mess it up. But don't worry, we'll bring it back with tips on how to build these strengths in your players. So join us next week, and we hope to see you again soon. Have a good one.